Chapter One of Hans Brinker or the Silver Skates. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Hans Brinker or the Silver Skates by Mary Mapes Dodge. Chapter One. Hans and Gretel. On a bright December morning long ago, two thinly clad children were kneeling upon the bank of a frozen canal in Holland. The sun had not yet appeared, but the grey sky was parted near the horizon, and its edges shone crimson with the coming day. Most of the good Hollanders were enjoying a placid morning nap. Even Mynheer von Stoppelnose, that worthy old Dutchman, was still slumbering in beautiful repose. Now and then some peasant woman, poising a well-filled basket upon her head, came skimming over the glassy surface of the canal. Or a lusty boy, skating to his day's work in the town, cast a good-natured grimace towards the shivering pair as he flew along. Meanwhile, with many a vigorous puff and pull, the brother and sister, for such they were, seemed to be fastening something to their feet. Not skates, certainly, but clumsy pieces of wood, narrowed and smoothed at their lower edge, and pierced with holes, through which were threaded strings of rawhide. These queer-looking affairs had been made by the boy Hans. His mother was a poor peasant woman, too poor even to think of such a thing as buying skates for her little ones. Rough as these were, they had afforded the children many a happy hour upon the ice. And now, as with cold red fingers our young Hollanders tugged at the strings, their solemn faces bending closely over their knees, no vision of impossible iron runners came to dull the satisfaction glowing within. In a moment the boy arose, and with a pompous swing of the arms and a careless, Come on, Gretel, glided easily across the canal. Ah, Hans, called his sister plaintively, this foot is not well yet. The strings hurt me on last market day, and now I cannot bear them tied in the same place. Tie them higher up, then, answered Hans, as without looking at her he performed a wonderful cat's cradle step on the ice. How can I? The string is too short. Giving vent to a good-natured Dutch whistle, the English of which was that girls were troublesome creatures, he steered toward her. You are foolish to wear such shoes, Gretel, when you have a stout leather pair. Your clompen, which are wooden shoes, would be better than these. Why, Hans, do you forget? The father threw my beautiful new shoes in the fire. Before I knew what he had done, they were all curled up in the midst of the burning peat. I can skate with these, but not with my wooden ones. Be careful now. Hans had taken a string from his pocket. Humming a tune as he knelt beside her, he proceeded to fasten Gretel's skate with all the force of his strong young arm. "'Oh! oh!' she cried in real pain. With an impatient jerk Hans unwound the string. He would have cast it on the ground in true Big Brother's style had he not just then spied a tear trickling down his sister's cheek. 
I'll fix it, never fear, he said with sudden tenderness. But we must be quick. The mother will need us soon. Then he glanced inquiringly about him, first at the ground, next at some bare willow branches above his head, and finally at the sky, now gorgeous with streaks of blue, crimson, and gold. Finding nothing in any of these localities to meet his need, his eye suddenly brightened as, with the air of a fellow who knew what he was about, he took off his cap, and removing the tattered lining, adjusted it in a smooth pad over the top of Gretel's worn-out shoe. "'Now!' he cried triumphantly, at the same time arranging the strings as briskly as his benumbed fingers would allow. "'Can you bear some pulling?' Gretel drew up her lips as if to say, "'Hurt away!' but made no further response. In another moment they were all laughing together, as hand in hand they flew along the canal, never thinking whether the ice would bear them or not, for in Holland ice is generally an all-winter affair. It settles itself upon the water in a determined kind of way, and so far from growing thin and uncertain every time the sun is a little severe upon it, it gathers its forces, day by day, and flashes defiance to every beam. Presently, squeak, squeak, sounded something beneath Hans's feet. Next his strokes grew shorter, ending oft-times with a jerk, and finally he lay sprawling upon the ice, kicking against the air with many a fantastic flourish. Ha, <laughs> laughed Gretel. That was a fine tumble. But a tender heart was beating under her coarse blue jacket, and even as she laughed she came, with a graceful sweep, close to her prostrate brother. "'Are you hurt, Hans?' "'Oh, you are laughing! Catch me now!' And she darted away, shivering no longer, but with cheeks all aglow and eyes sparkling with fun. Hans sprang to his feet and started in brisk pursuit, but it was no easy thing to catch Gretel. Before she had travelled very far, her skates, too, began to squeak. Believing that discretion was the better part of valour, she turned suddenly and skated into her pursuer's arms. "'Ha-ha! I've caught you!' cried Hans. "'Ha-ha! I've caught you!' she retorted, struggling to free herself. Just then a clear, quick voice was heard calling, "'Hans! Gretel!' "'It's the mother!' said Hans, looking solemn in an instant. By this time the canal was gilded with sunlight. The pure morning air was very delightful, and skaters were gradually increasing in numbers. It was hard to obey the summons. But Gretel and Hans were good children. Without a thought of yielding to the temptation to linger, they pulled off their skates, leaving half the knots still tied. Hans, with his great square shoulders and bushy yellow hair, towered high above his blue-eyed little sister as they trudged homeward. He was fifteen years old, and Gretel was only twelve. He was a solid, hearty-looking boy, with honest eyes and a brow that seemed to bear a sign, goodness within, just as the little Dutch Zomahus, summer-house, wears a motto over its portal. Gretel was lithe and quick. Her eyes had a dancing light in them, and while you looked at her cheek the colour paled and deepened, just as it does upon a bed of pink and white blossoms when the wind is blowing. 
As soon as the children turned from the canal, they could see their parents' cottage. Their mother's tall form, arrayed in jacket and petticoat and close-fitting cap, stood like a picture in the crooked frame of the doorway. Had the cottage been a mile away, it would still have seemed near. In that flat country every object stands out plainly in the distance. The chickens show as distinctly as the windmills. Indeed, were it not for the dikes and the high banks of the canals, one could stand almost anywhere in Middle Holland without seeing a mound or a ridge between the eye and the jumping-off place. None had better cause to know the nature of these same dikes than Dame Brinker and the panting youngsters now running at her call. But before stating why, let me ask you to take a rocking-chair trip with me to that far country where you may see, perhaps for the first time, some curious things that Hans and Gretel saw every day. End of chapter.